This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me this week are Jim Spence and Sean Hamilton. Hello, well, gentlemen. It's a, it's a cracking, it's a really good card to look forward to this weekend. And we'll, we'll, we'll go back over the, the previous weekend's football, but we'll, we'll start straight with, the, uh, straight with the pick of them, I guess. Hearts against Dundee United, Jim. I mean, it's another, like I say, it's another cracking. I've, I've really enjoyed the start of the season, I must admit. You know, both these teams... I've probably got a good uh, good take on them because St Johnson have played both of them, and you've you've you saw the United Saints game as well. I kind of came I came away from uh, the Saints Hearts game thinking, oh, the Hearts are definitely definitely going to be third in the table, and then they go up and up to Aberdeen and uh, and lose, which I don't suppose the three of us would have seen that one coming. And United, they were a, a, a strange team as as. As well, you know, on Saturday there, uh, uh, you know, they kind of clicked clicked in the second half, but it was poor in the first. But an intriguing clash of clash of styles, Jim, would you agree? If hearts are back to that. I mean, I, I you know, not saying growing up. I mean, the first few years of my life, I was down south. I wasn't, wasn't caring what hearts were doing. But from, what, from watching them from the, the late 80s through the 90s and then beyond, they've always been... The strong hearts teams have been just that. They've been physically strong. They've been. They've almost been. They've kind of been like. They've kind of been Edinburgh's Rangers, haven't they? And Hibs were uh, Edinburgh Celtic, and they kind of have that hallmark about them again, don't they, Jim? That, that that's always been the tendency, Eric. To think, you know, whether it's fair or not. And I, and I have to say, I you know, it is my experience as well, having watched football for a long, long time. That by and large, and that's not to say there haven't been teams, Hearts teams, with a bit of flair about them. You know, particularly the year they almost won the the, the league uh, and, and kind of blew it at Dens. But um, that was still a, that was still yeah. a rugged team, though, as well. Though, <laughs> that wasn't was a it? It was a that's right. I mean, by and large, they're always been strong physically. Uh, able and all the rest of it, where the Hibs have tended to be kind of a bit more kind of you know flowery and fluent and and and, and flexible in terms of the way they played football. Hearts have tended to be um, a, a bit more physical, and I, my my suspicion is that um, if there's a danger this weekend for United, it's that, that physicality might potentially. Um, prove problematic for them because they are a physically strong side. That's not to say United can't mix it. United have got a very strong um, central defence. Um, for instance, as we as, as we know, they're they're physically pretty robust. There's no, there's no doubt about that. I mean, there are, there are not many that will um, you know that will boss Mulgrew and Edwards um, about. For instance, you know. Uh, the midfield, um, I, I would think that United's midfield is maybe a wee bit more silky, although there's a bit of dig in there as well. Levitt's a fine passer of the ball. Fuchs uh, can, can mix it. Harks is, is, is mobile enough. Uh, but Harks are kind of physically, you know, a, a, a strong side. And that, I suspect, might be the fear for United um, at, at the weekend. That Harks will simply prove... Um, you know, overly robust. I mean, there are some kind of pretty strong characters, um, and there and there is a lot of physicality, a lot of physicality uh, up front. You know, I mean, yeah, the centre forward is a big, big, a, a big, big yeah. He's a big lump of a boy to to handle. I mean, at the, uh, you know, at the back, they're strong at the back as well. Kingsley and Halkett and that suit with that kind of back three that they play are pretty strong, and and they're, they're pretty strong in the midfield as well. Smith's a, a pretty tough character, for instance. You know, so I mean, it, it will be a clash um, of styles, but I think. The, the key thing is, you know, if you're looking at it from both a local perspective, which we're doing, but also kind of a wider national perspective, how how enjoyable is it to see a league table with four teams separated by six points um, at the moment and United and, and Hearts right on the tails, you know, only two points adrift of Celtic. Six adrift of, of 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 Rangers, but that you know that that could be changed. But I mean, the thing is, at this stage in the season, it, it, it's a joy, it's a bonus for the Scottish game to see a league, a top of the league table, which actually looks relatively competitive, or probably less competitive after uh, one of these two, unless it's a draw, of course, after one of these two has taken the points um, at Tynecastle. But for the moment, it's great. But this will this will, I think, be you know a, a clash of styles. Thing is, Sean, sticking with hearts. I mean, good grief! They they should be they should be in a much. I mean, they've only had two two points from their last possible nine, you know. And and, and although you know Dundee, St Johnson, and Aberdeen now going into those, they were expected to get six at least, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, I can't disagree with that. And and I mean, actually, I actually think Jim, it, it'll be it'll be less a clash of styles than we might think. But I'm I'm coming at this from having watched. 
them both against St. Johnson in recent weeks. And watching what watching what both of them did to St. Johnson in the second half of those games actually it was <laughs> there were some similarities there in the sense that, that <laughs> they both absolutely bossed it um, so now I think at Hearts actually under Robbie Nielsen this season um, from what I've seen actually capable of playing some really good football Um and perhaps of a of a brand that we haven't really associated with Robbie Nielsen before, um, certainly not at Dundee United. Now that was maybe through necessity, given given the league they were in at the time, because that's that's not a it's not an easy league to pay, play pretty football in, uh, as anybody who's ever watched it <laughs> uh, can attest, or any certainly anybody who's ever tried to organise a team in it can probably attest. Um, but. The way that Hearts are playing this season, I I, I found it certainly in, in the game at McDermott Park to be to be really impressive. Um, now, St. Johnson had a, had their had their faults in that game. I think I highlighted one of them last week, which was which was a big one. But Hearts absolutely dominated the ball um, in that second half and, and and played it about really nicely. Um, there, there, there is physicality there. Actually, ironically enough, I think the, the the player for Hearts who was the most physical against St. Johnson was probably the smallest guy on the pitch. It was the lad Cami Devlin, um, the Australian uh, lad in midfield, who was just a wrecking ball. Um, he did a hell of a amount of damage. Probably should have been booked, booked long before he did. But beyond that, they played really good football. And United, first half against St. Johnston were... were Slack, I thought there wasn't really much threat there. Second half, when when Paula and Niskanen came on, they absolutely bossed it and again dominated the ball, played really really well. Now, if the, I think if those two teams are, are are at their best, it could be it could be one hell of a contest. I think and 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 a, and a cracking footballing contest at that. So it will be it will be a fascinating fixture. Let's okay, that's. Uh linked us in seamlessly to what happened on Saturday. Jim, I think is there's there's two two schools of thought. I think I'm talking about United's uh, Jekyll and Hyde performance and, and Jekyll and Hyde uh, team selections for the first and the second half. Tam Course wouldn't have got away with that had United been near the bottom of the league, would he? He had he had a lot of credit in the bank, but I mean maybe 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 I know there's there was there's three games in the week, that sort of thing. But he got his team wrong, didn't he? Well, <clears throat> he, he said an interesting thing at the <clears throat> at the you know the wee. Well, it's not a press conference these days. You'll stand up in the in the, the gathering. Stand, yeah, stand in the wee yeah. gathering in the stand, and the managers or the players come up and then uh, then address you. But yeah, the, the, the media gathering, anywho. Um, <clears throat> he said that he'd had um, he'd asked he'd asked questions and had some of them answered, and I think that's true. Um, and I think the problem is that some of the questions that he had answered um you know w- w- he got the wrong answers to um i mean should he be asking the question in the first place this? well, well <laughs> I mean, there, there's two views now <clears throat> i mean the, the, sean is absolutely right i mean the, the difference um particularly when this came in, but also when Pollock came on um w- was utterly remarkable i mean they completely um they completely drove united up several gears because and i think sorry jim and i think uh kieran freeman who's going under the radar i mean Kerr smith may be many may prove himself to be many things but a right back he is not no but the the, the thing is all three and particularly the front two all three have what i think is 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 the greatest gift that you can have assuming there's some ability to go with it and that's pace you know niskanen has pace to burn uh, and so does paula you know this notion that paula is kind of nearing the end of his career still relatively speaking he's still quite a young man you know um niskanen who's just been called up of course by the fans um uh, has pace directness he's got a great appetite for the game so they 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 transfigured things. However, in terms of what you asked, was it the was it the wrong side? Um, probably, but he's got to find out. He's got a squad game. He's looking for people, you know, like Chalmers, like a Perry, uh, like Smith to step up um, to to the play. Uh, now, I have to say, sadly, not, he made four he made four changes uh, on Saturday, and I don't think really any of them came out um, smelling of roses. None of them really. 
uh, looked to me as though they were ready to have the manager reassessing his formations on any given Saturday. You know, they, they, I mean, put it this way, they wouldn't be chopping the door soon to say, boss, why are you not playing me again? Because the answer was there on Saturday. None of them did enough, I think, to uh, persuade Tam Courts that they are deserving of a, of a regular first-team start. So he was right. He's, he's, in, he's got a big squad. He's entitled to ask the question. Uh, and he got his answer. And, and that answer was that he very probably will, um, you know, will think twice before starting, I don't mean starting anything again, but but certainly um, starting I mean, four of them again yeah. uh, in the fashion that he did. However, too, what he also many. got, yeah, far too many, but he did get he did get a, a very very positive answer in the respect that Pollock and Niskanen um, are massively valued members uh, of that squad. The other thing is, you know, given the run of games they've had, given you know the, the, the nature of football, I, I mean, I'm a great believer in not changing a winning team if you can help it, but it's a squad game. Um, and, and, you know, you're, you're trying to assess all the time. United are heavily buy into sports science and, and, and heavy analysis of the game. And there are many, many methods these days of monitoring. But of course, the best one of the lot is is, is simply eye your eye uh, over players and training and, and, and playing and all the rest of that. And sometimes you simply feel that players could do maybe we, we, a, wee, a wee break, a wee rest. That's not necessarily out the team completely, but maybe giving them a second half. And also you're looking for players to push. And it may well be that in training, players have looked impressive and pushing and all the rest of that. And you thought, OK, this is worth a change here. Uh, maybe he's been too clever. We've all done that. I, I don't think so. I think he's just doing the obvious thing. He's 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 experimenting with his squad at a time when you know I, I don't mean United are safe, but I mean at a time when they have made a, a, a tremendous start to the season. Um, you know, they are already on 21 points, 15 points away from Ross County. So they're well out of the relegation zone. You know, they're not getting sucked into that. So if there was a time to say, let's experiment, let's see what I have in the squad. Let's see how they handle things, the big games. Let's see if they can put pressure on the guys who will be regulars. Um, this was the time to do it. And he got probably uh, an answer in the negative. And that's a good thing because the game was lost. But in the wider sphere of things, I don't think much was lost because he now knows <clears throat> absolutely who he can trust and who he can't trust. Well, the thing is, though, Sean, to take it on from Jim's point there, though, does it raise questions about the depth of the United squad as far as, you know, that's, that's two or three changes and we all saw the impact it had. You know, we, we can all think of teams who could make two or three changes over the last few years and they've still gone and got results and kept it going and haven't had to kind of rip it up at half time and, and admit I got that wrong. I, I think the, the key element, actually, Jim's just touched on, and I think it was the number of changes at once. Now, that's, I think if you get into like four, under normal circumstances, Callum, Callum Davison well, did a did, lot last like season. Four, four in would, one goal. I mean, I think you're if, you're, if, you're get, if you're getting to that <laughs> stage, I think more often than not when a, when a manager has to do that, unless we're talking about Rangers or Celtic who, who have got obviously depth of squad, when we're getting into four changes for a, for a United, for instance, under normal circumstances, you would imagine that that's off the back of suspensions or injuries or something biting further into the season. I think four's quite a lot. Um, so I... I I'd have less concern about the the depth of the squad as, as as if we're talking one two changes. If you like, I think that it could probably absorb that. If you get in a four, you're changing a big percentage of your of your starting eleven at that point. Um, and and when you're bringing guys in, this is no no disrespect to them at all because Logan Chalmers has been injured, and he's just sort of playing his way back in, so he's not going to be match fit. Louis Perry, I mean, hasn't he played? Hasn't he had the game time really? Uh, so it's another one that there's not going to be completely up to ninety minute match fitness. There, I, I I just think you're starting to there is a risk in doing that, and I I understand why Tam Courts would want to check that out, um, and actually give them a chance as well if they've been showing up well as as Jim says. But I I I do think it was probably just a wee bit too much to go as far as he did. And, and I do think, to, I mean, we'll have to, if we're going to say that was a mistake, I think we have to acknowledge that it was rectified pretty quickly, um, which, which is a positive. So, Yeah, I like that. Yeah, manager yeah. making quick subs. That, you know. Sean, that's a really good point. I mean, we were saying that in the press box on Saturday. Um, if it was a mistake, and I, I, you know, I, I think, he, you know, he probably kind of gambled on four changes. I think that's that, that probably was too many. But I, I think the sign of a, a, um, a, you know, a competent manager and um, 
and a clever manager is that he recognises quite quickly, this is not working, boom, let's make the changes. I mean, how many managers have we seen who wait until 70, 75 minutes to make a change? Oh, absolutely. You know? It's like they, it's prescriptive, isn't it? There's, so, yeah, so many there's a kind of pig-headedness there with a lot of people. You know, I'm not making that change. I picked a team and sticking with it. I'll prove myself right. He's looked at that and went, this is not working. For whatever reason, a combination of certain players not being maybe just fit enough, um, you know, too many changes uh, to the team. It's not just the players that come on. It's how it affects the players around the bottom who have been playing in a fairly settled side. All of these th- kind of things. But irrespective of any of that, he's made the changes. He's looked at a half-time event. This is not working. Boom. He makes the, the two changes uh, right at the start, you know, even before Freeman, in terms of Paula and this kind of coming on. And it transformed things. United were utterly transformed with those two coming on. I mean, I have to say, I mean, I'm a Pollock fan, always was. Niskanen is just, um, he looks terrific. I mean, he, he just looks, he's just, he's so aggressive ah, in his style of play. He's so quick. Physically he's t- strong. He touches yeah. movement, you know, his passing ability. He wants to do everything at pace, but he does everything acutely well and smartly and, and accurately at pace. And I, I, to be honest with you, I'm already thinking, can you not hang on to this guy for a great length of time? I mean, he looks a real class act. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think you boys have misled me as well over these. You, you regular United watchers have misled me as well. I was going to the game <laughs> expecting uh, Mr. Fuchs to be the main man. I think he's. I've, if if I'm a betting man, I would suggest that Dylan Levitt will go higher and Levitt will go higher in the game than Jean Do Fuchs. They'll dig this one out in a in a few years' time. I thought he was. He's he's the class act in that United midfield, and I think he's. I mean, do you just see the style? I love those. I love those. Uh, those disguised passes that that centre midfielders play. It's almost like they're looking out wide and they just they just close their boot on it and it and it down the middle and it's it's everything firm. Sometimes uh, sometimes too firm, I think, for maybe some of the the forwards at United that didn't quite have the touch that uh, that Levitt's got, but. Uh, would you agree, Jim? I, I think Levitt will, will end up going higher than Fuchs. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I'd really like to see. I'll come to that. I'll come to that in a moment or two. What I'd really like to see. I mean, I enjoy my stats. You know, we can overdo stats and all the rest of it. And sometimes they, you know, they, they kind of mean less than they appear to mean at first at first glance. But one of the, one of the stats I particularly enjoy is is um, the notion of scanning. How how, how quickly the very uh-huh. very top players scan. You know, how how many times they kind of you know a second or or a minute or every ten seconds they scan because you know the great players always play with the heads up. They see the heads up and and they see the pass and they make the pass. Now, um, it, it looks to me already, you know, uh, as though United have got a kind of uh, a real quality passer on their books here. Live. I don't. Who knows whether he'll make it with Man United or no? I mean, to, you know, by I mean, large, doubt, doubtful. Very, let's yeah, face yeah, it, they don't doubtful. come up here alone. That's right. But gonna... he will still potentially have a terrific career ahead of him. Now. I'd like to see those stats for, for his passing ability because there are different types of players, uh, midfield players, um, Eric, as, as, as you know. I mean, Levitt is a kind of a much more languid individual type of creature. Fuchs is a more physical kind of in your face, in about your ankles, you know, winning a ball, knocking it a few yards, you know, a wee kind of short driving run type of individual. Levitt kind of, he, he, you know, he, he almost strikes me as though he could be a, a player who would play that old kind of sweeper libero role that you used to have at one time in the game. Just kind of looking up and, you know, and playing that threaded 15-yard pass through a wee channel or 25 yards over the top accurately to someone. He's got a lovely ability to strike the ball sweetly and, and, and purposefully and with accuracy. So, um, I don't know, you're, you're, you're always kind of guessing with these kind of things but I think he looks to me like a, a, a laddie with a you know potentially a very good future ahead of him in the game but they're different, different styles of player and both enjoyable to watch who's your who's who tickles your fancy Sean I mean I mean you could see I mean I'm not pushing him to the old firm and we're not going down that road but heaven for Levitt <laughs> enhances that Celtic midfield for me you know and yeah yeah but let's 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 not wish for that to happen God Almighty, that'd be, it'd be dreadful. <laughs> they're, they're strong enough already, and they don't, they don't need, they don't need to get back to the days when they're, they're cherry picking the, <laughs> the, the best talent off the, the rest of the teams, and then sticking them in the reserves and never playing them. That used to piss me off. Something rotten. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is you wouldn't even get a fee for him, you know, because he's alone. No, player. no, it's not United. United, United it's, yeah, not, no, it's unfortunate that if it, oh. yeah, he's 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 the one that United aren't going to get any money out of. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, no, no I, I, it's. Pr- Probably a legitimate concern, Eric, actually, because he is because he is a, a really, really cultured player. It was I like the old sorry shot. It was like the old who's your who's your. Remember when they were both coming through at the same time, Kevin Thompson and Scott Brown at Hibs. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it is different styles, isn't it? 
Uh-huh. No, they're they're really really different. But I mean, I, I I'm not equivocating or sitting on the fence or whatever. But I genuinely like them both. But I think they give you different things. Like Levitt, Levitt is is I use the word culture there again. I'm going to reuse it. He's really really a clever player. His technique's fantastic. He's athletic, but he, he he's actually deceptively he doesn't have to like career about the pitch because yeah. I think he's, he's, his vision of the game yeah. is so good that he's just kind of in the right place. He's where he needs to be most of the time. I think if you see him sprinting to get somewhere, I, I can't think of a single time because I think that would imply that he's almost been caught out somewhere. And I haven't really seen that happen to us. You often. certainly don't I, see I him going to ground, do you? No, no. He's very, very clever and really, really great technique. Whereas Fuchs is more of a, more of a, I used the word wrecking ball for the guy. I'm going to reuse my, all of my phrases today. So wrecking ball, <laughs> he's another, he's, again, he's not like, he's not a completely blunt instrument. He doesn't just run about destroying. <laughs> he's got a bit of technique as well, but he is more physical and he is, he is more of a runner uh, and he is more of a spoiler, but he's also got a bit of technique. Now, St. Johnson's goal came from a mistake of his. Yes, and I would say, I would say, you know, you know how Callum Davidson works as well as I do. And you saw the Hearts game; Saints were setting traps, and it's not, a, it's not a compliment to Fuchs that he was the one that Saints were setting a trap for, is it? Because no, no, it's not. That, that wasn't uh, by that wasn't by accident. No, it's not. But I, but in his defence, I would say that the times that I've, it's very, very rare that I've seen him do something like that, make that mistake. Everybody will make it every now and again. Yeah, Ali McCann absolute, made it. Absolute world times. class, you know. So he got, he did get caught out. And, and if you want to give Callum Davidson credit for that, absolutely fine, brilliant. But I, I don't, I don't think it's a, a damning indictment on John Fuchs because I think in general, he's been very, very good for Dundee United. So uh, which one's going to go further? Levitt's got got the potential to to go to a higher level, I think, just because of his technique and his vision and, and the way he plays the game. Um, but but Fuchs will do well. Fuchs will Fuchs will make some money for himself, hundred percent. Well, he makes some oh, money I mean, for you. Fuchs is at a different United. stage of his career. I mean, he, he's four years older, isn't he? I mean, he's, I think Fuchs is twenty four, isn't he? The, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, whereas Levitt is kind of you know, Levitt's still a young man. He's only well, they're both young men. You know, he's he's twenty, so he's kind of got four years of development, you know, um, uh, over and above him. But <clears throat> Sean's right, both different styles of players. I, th- I thought you know, Callum's Callum's a smart cookie. We thought it was before, you know. Um, managers watch, they have their the opposition scanned and watched, as we all know, and, and they pick out what, you know, not necessarily weak spots, they pick out areas where, uh, you know, where quite often the strongest players uh, uh, might be kind of challenged, whether it's, you know, whether it's doubling up on an individual or, or whatever it is. Um, and, and yeah, certainly it was a mistake that led to, um, you know, United conceding, uh, not that they've conceded many this season. Um but, you know, Tam Court's got it spot on in the second half. And, and really, I mean, I'm sure we'll be touching on it, but it was just as fine a display of goalkeeping as I have seen in years from Big Xander that kept, you know, kept the, took, the, took the three points back up the road, 20 miles up the road. I mean, Big Xander was just in stunning, stunning form. Delighted to see he, he got the call up, which, you know, frankly, I think there would, there, there would have been a hue and cry if he hadn't got uh, it uh, with, with the squad this week. Pitchforks and the... Uh, at the concert hall, yeah. absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. But I mean, so right. Let's finish off the United Hearts thing, Sean. Robbie Nielsen v Tam Court strikes me as an, an intriguing head to head as well. Don't don't see them as naturals for going down for a pint together. Could be wrong, but you know, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> different uh, different approaches. I always thought, listen, you'll you'll not find a podcast going back to years where I where I slagged Robbie Nielsen off. I I thought he was underappreciated at, at Tannerice. I must admit. Uh, I think he was a, maybe a wee bit victim of circumstances. He was there to do a job and he was seeing that job through, albeit it was stuttering a wee bit towards pre, uh, pre-lockdown, wasn't it? And they didn't get the title in the in the circumstances to which they they would have chosen. But I think all those derby wins and, you know, he just, he, he, was, he was there to get a job done. And then, come on, the guy, the way he's responded from, from again, Hearts fans going absolutely mad about, I mean, yes, it was a terrible result in the Scottish Cup, but again, he was there to do a job, and look, he's shown he can he can remould a team that will suit, you know, for me, getting out of the Championship is it's a completely different job description to, to building a team in the Premiership, and by, by all means do go go at them differently, and you can see you can see the merits of that now with Robbie, I mean were you a fan of his time at United, Sean? No, he's crap. 
Good. Right, we'll cut it there. We'll end it there. there. You're not getting an edit. No, 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 no. no. I'm getting. I'm I'm backpedaling. (laughs) No, no, no. Do you know what? It's too. I. I, It's. I find it difficult to disagree with you, Eric. As much as I'd like to, just for the sake of entertainment, but I I can't. Uh, I. I think you're right. I. I think Robbie Nielsen. I mean, was obviously there to do a particular job at Dundee United. We've talked about the nature of the championship. To get them up. It's horrible. To get them up. It's a horrible league. It's minging. And if you're going to get out of it, you've you've got you've got to play that game. You've got to be tough. And I think he built a side that was that was capable of doing it. God knows United struggled for long enough before he came in and sorted it out and got them up. So yeah, it wasn't pretty at times, but it's not a pretty league. So he got he did the job he was brought in for. I think the problem United fans have got is that there's there's some expectation at Dundee United, and I don't have a, I don't particularly have a problem with this. But there's an expectation that their teams play decent football, and that's that's fair enough. But I think it's horses for courses in the championship, and and regardless of that, they they watched that Robbie Nielsen team in the championship maybe sort of stumbling a little bit, and kind of it wasn't the most convincing at times, and it certainly wasn't pretty a lot of the time. And I think there was there was a bit of sort of well, you know, you, you can't grumble too much because you're going to get promoted, but they're not doing it in the style that they want it to be. And then off the back of that, he jumps when hearts come, and I, I just think that connection was never really there between Robbie Nielsen and Dundee United fans. Uh, whereas quite clearly, Tam Courts has, has made an effort to connect with those Dundee United fans. It also helps that they're playing nice football and they're winning games, of course, but he's gone out of his way to, to make that connection. The United fans have appreciated that, and I think that's there. So the relationship is very different between Tom Courts and Dundee United fans than it was between Robbie Nielsen and Dundee United fans. But that is not to say that Robbie Nielsen did not do a very good job at Dundee United because he did. He got them promoted. He's done the same thing with Hearts, and, and if you look at where they are and how they're playing now this season... I think he's proved himself to be a more adaptable manager than probably done the United fans yeah. thought he was. Thank you so a few, yeah. It's really, really difficult to, to try and find criticisms of Robbie Nielsen at the moment. And, and I think even Hearts fans are probably, because we, we know what they're like, they're a miserable bunch. So <laughs> the fact that, that, that they're actually uh, quite happy with him now speaks volumes, I think. Um, and it's, it's to his credit, Robbie Nielsen is probably, arguably, he's, the most underrated manager in Scottish football. There you go. There you go. That's better than saying he's crap. That was a bit of backpedaling, no? (laughs) That was a hell of a backpedal. The rowing backwards champion. I think they call that a 180. Right, Jim? I mean, it's... I mean, I don't think there's there's no doubt. I mean, the 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 table never lies, but the table certainly isn't lying just now. I think United and Hearts are the third and fourth best teams in the country on form, on just the way they're playing, squads, all the rest of it, they they are where they deserve to be. And like you say, after watching Hearts, I was con- pretty convinced it was going to be Hearts were, were going to be third, maybe even by a wee bit of distance. But then seeing United in that second half and, you know, thinking, OK, this is, you know, this might be... If if United keep key men, I mean, we've, you know, you, it, those two centre-halves are so integral to what United do. I mean, I don't know what what Hearts is covers like in, in certain positions. But United, they need to keep those two fit, don't they? But anyway, how do you see how do you see this this game going? Tam Courts, I mean his his reputation it'll it'll soar even higher if he manages to get one over Robbie Nielsen at Tynecastle, won't it? A United one I see. That's what I see. Yes, you do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I see the possibility of United win. I really do. Um, the prob- the probability—it's it, it, hard. It's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, Robbie. I mean, Robbie ticked the boxes at Tannadice. You know, I mean, he, he, he did what was asked of him. He got them up. Uh, were they pretty? That's a subjective definition. We were talking the other day about this. I mean, you know, to me, United at the moment are playing some of the most attractive football I've seen since probably the Jackie Martinamara days, or actually the Peter Houston days. I mean, to me, Houston put the best United sides out I've seen in years. They were. They played with a kind of flamboyance and a, a you know a delicacy of touch and and you know sometimes were genuinely thrilling, and I think you know there are times when United I don't think they've hit those heights yet um, because they probably don't have the kind of quality of player that that the Houston had at that stage. But there are times when they play some really really attractive football. Now that's a subjective definition. One man's idea or one woman's idea of what is attractive football is it's, it's somebody else's idea of, of of horror. You know, and and I think you touched on it. 
There is that notion, isn't there, that, you know, Celtic, Hibs, uh, just as we're talking about Hearts being an Edinburgh Ranger, I'm not sure how, how far it is, but I know what you mean, because it's a generally kind of thought of point in, Sc- in Scottish football. But, you know, there are certain sides, and I think United are in there, th- th- there's an expectation that they will play a certain type of football, you know, on the deck, knock it about sweetly, quick give and goes and all the rest. And I think they're starting to do that under Tam Courts. But, but Robbie Nielsen's done a great job at Hearts. I mean, it, it's you, you can never, you know, you can never ever second guess supporters and it's always I mean I've covered football all over Scotland as you guys have you know I'm quite often although I was based in Dundee with the BBC attended quite often to be trackside at Tynecastle or, or, or Easter Road um, and I know the kind of pressure on on people and, and, and how managers are regarded and what certain supports are like but I was still astonished at the camp, not campaign but just how vitriolic some of this stuff was with some Hearts fans with Robbie Nielsen you know and yet he starts the season and they, they, they've gone off the boiler we but you know, um, and the lost Aberdeen the other week. Uh, but you know, sitting there on twenty-one points, just six um, adrift, a range of twelve the legends. Can't they? They can turn said, on the legends. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure what what, they com- what their complaints could be because I think, on the face of it, as an outsider looking in, I think Nielsen's done a, a, a smashing job um, at Tynecastle. It's very difficult to be <coughs> critical of him, and I mean, it's intriguing. You know, the, the two of them, you know, are the sort of guys that would go for a pint. I don't know how well they know each other. I mean, there's nothing in it age-wise. I think Robbie's forty-one. Uh, Tom is uh, 40, I think, to 940. Um, nothing in it, maybe different styles, you know, um, in terms of kind of, you know, their approach to the press and to the media and all the rest. Of it. Robbie's maybe a bit less flamboyant than Tom is. Tom's good, I think. Most journalists that, that we speak to, and I'm sure you guys real, uh, know yourselves, I mean, he, he's erudite, he's articulate, he's good to listen to, he'll take questions, um, you know, whether they be kind of softballs or hardballs or curveballs, and that, that's a good thing from a, a manager. Balls um, everywhere and, there, Jim. Balls everywhere. Yeah, balls all over the shop, you know. <laughs> so, um, what you're hoping for this week is that there's not a balls up, you know, so, so um, I, I think United have got a great chance. I mean, you know, it's 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 quite a matter. I mean, they, they need to score goals. We know that. That's still an issue. I know a couple of def- the defenders chipped in the other week uh, with one apiece, you know, Edwards and, and Mulgrew. But defensively, still terrific. You know, still terrific to have conceded only eight against. Need to score more. I mean, that that, that is a, a concern. Hearts certainly scored more. Hearts scored seven more. You know, so they need to, to score more. And it may well be that we, we you know, it must be kind of getting close to the stage where big Max Biamu is, um, you know, yeah. is due either a fair, a fair, you know, sixty minutes or or a second half, or maybe even a start. You know, expect it'll be after the international break now. Eh? Yeah, you always think well, of give them that extra yeah. couple of weeks just to get up to speed. But I mean, you know, I, I just have a, have a sneaky feeling that United could could take the three points um, here. Um, right. It's hard right. to tell. It's a, I think they're getting hearts at a good good time. I think they'll be a, not a crisis of confidence, but. A, They'll, they'll be doubting themselves a bit. And like you say, the natives at Tynecastle, they, they don't take much <laughs> for them to turn, do they? But yeah, there we go. Um, Sean, going on to St. Johnson now, four points against those aforementioned team. That was a very, that's a very good uh, haul from those two games, isn't it? Particularly when you're coming off Celtic Park, a tough, tough week. And I think, you know, I wrote a piece in it. I do, th- I do think a lot of the things that you are alluding to, the, the second half and drop-offs and all the rest of it, it's just down to it's it's down to circumstances in the midfield that they just they don't you know their their game plans are working very well, but obviously Ali McCann's not there and that would that would cover a multi a multitude of things in that midfield, but they don't have the numbers and they do, and the guys they do have aren't quite at the level yet in terms of fitness and match fitness that they need to be to to keep that thing going. You know, Craig Bryson's done very very well since he's come back in. But it's inevitable that, I mean, he's not that he's not that physical box to box type of player anyway, or he maybe may, maybe was in his prime. But it's you, you could just see it, you know, the physically, Hearts and and to an extent Dun United because Dun United we maybe downplayed that when we were speaking about them. They do have a they've got a physicality to their midfield that they can they can really sort of you talked about it with your your wrecking ball, you know they. They, they can get a grip of a midfield and, and not let it go. And I think Saints just suffered a wee bit for that. Um, and I don't think it's going to sort itself out until a few weeks, until Murray Davison gets more games. Cammy can McPherson can't play this game against St. Murn now. So, you know, and I, and I wouldn't rule out, I wouldn't rule out a, a January addition in, in central midfield. If I would hope so. 
Yeah. Would that, <laughs> yeah. would that be your priority? I, I, I would hope so, yeah. Um, I, the, the game plans against Hearts and Dundee United, I would say, have, have worked well in the first half, in either case. Um, second half, I think the, the drop-offs, and I mean, you, Eric, you've written a piece about touching on this. Um, the drop-off's been quite significant. They couldn't, keep, they couldn't keep the ball against United, could they? The, no. the, the passing was poor. No. Well, actually, they, they, now, they didn't keep the ball against Hearts either. Now, I think there was a statistic in the, the piece that you wrote that, that suggested that the passing accuracy of St. Johnson had gone up in the second half against Hearts. But what about the number of passes? Because that that's going to have gone down. Because Hearts dominated the ball in that I second think, half. I, do th- I don't want to go back over that. I do think there was a bit of them, you know conceding territory and thinking we're going to concede territory here but that wasn't that certainly wasn't the case against United you know there was they, they made you know I think there was an ex you you mentioned I think when we were chatting Hayden Muller made a poor choice down the right hand side when he takes an extra touch there was two or three of those where Saints just invited the pressure on whereas a good two or three passes would have got them up the pitch and it just didn't didn't quite happen but that's I mean these are they're played two good teams against St Murn now Sean you would ex, you would expect them to to be able to to get Back into a bit of rhythm. Well, St. Murn are strong in centre midfield as well, right enough. Yeah. Well, what 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 you would want to see from St. Johnson this weekend is is not to have that same drop off in the second half. You would you would hope that against a a, a team that are, on paper and in the league table look weaker than the two they've just played, that they'll be able to maintain a little bit more control over the match into the second half because in the previous ones they've not had it. Um, and that, that's been problematic. And actually, yeah, the game plans worked in the first half against those two teams, but in the second half, in both cases, I think St. Johnston were, were, were lucky to get the results they did. And I think that's they were lucky to get a point against Hearts, and I think they were lucky to beat Dundee United. And the, the reasons for both are different. Um, but against St. Mirren, what you want to see is St. Johnston having a bit more control in the match. Um, that is just I think St John's fans would desperately want to see that uh, because uh, uh, the, the, the Dundee United result was great morale wise and for the fans who were there they really enjoyed it at the end and it felt like it felt like a moment where the, where the, the players were really appreciate, appreciative of the support they got and the supporters were appreciative of the effort and the three points and what have you but it's, it, it, when, when the dust settles I'm still I'm not entirely convinced uh, by the St Johnston side yet <laughs> I feel like I'm going in really harsh here but this, it's just a reflection of how I feel I'm not I'm not I'm not seeing evidence and yeah there are reasons for it personnel wise and, and, and who's settled. fit and who's not it's, not it's not settled down yet Jim has it it's you, you can't you no, can't see um, a team there's not a, there's not a team <clears> that you can I mean obviously they've lost Ali McCann you know and that was he's a huge player for them in central midfield so it is it's 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 not going to be the same. They're going to have to, and I think Callum said it from the first week after yeah. he left. We're going to have to go about things differently in the midfield. Mm-hmm. We're not going to pr- replace him like for like. Well, you, Eric, when you lose that kind of craft, and we see how well he's doing at Preston, you know, everything you said this morning on Twitter, they'll be there long, you know, um, he, he, terrific player. So you know, you lose that kind of that quality. You're losing a lot. But, I mean, I understand. It. I know you made a bit kind of uh, they were lucky, but yeah, great believer. You make your own luck, you know, and you make your own luck with the kind of quality of player you've got. They've got a great goalkeeper. Uh, so was it lucky that he made six superlative saves? I don't think so. I mean, it's just that, that's what you've got between the sticks, and he's a he's a top quality keeper. The other the other thing is, I mean, I had a good blather last week. I was heading up the press box up in the stand, and and I was sitting sat for a bit and chewed the fat with William Craig and David Wotherspoon. You, you're missing two players of that quality from a game. You know that's, that's Sean that's Rooney. That, you speak that, to him as well. Sean Rooney. You know he, I didn't, he but he he came along later on. You know um, <laughs> he was avoiding you, Jim. You know, he was, he was avoiding you. Know, I was avoiding him with that hair. You know the clash. <laughs> Ginger and a blonde, but you know, you, you go up the press box, you think there's there's two big misses, then Rooney Potter, so there's there's three big misses, you know. Um, so I mean, I I think that that say, the Saints got battered in the second half, no doubt about it. They got battered, you know. The, we've talked about it, the, the the intrusion at halftime of of Pollock and uh, Niskan, and you know, just turned the game on its head. But Clark was, and he had a couple in the first half as well, right enough, you know. But I mean, he was equal to everything that United. Uh, United threw at them, you know. So I mean, you make your own luck to to a great extent. Um, Are they settled? Well, uh, not yet. I mean, I think you know. I think you've written about this. You know that they've got to kind of. 
They've got to figure out why they're starting well, finishing poorly, um, and they've got to figure out kind of just, I think, how to get back on a, uh, onto a kind of level playing field and, and start hitting kind of a regular kind of vein of form or form. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, that in the greater scheme of things, Saints are still not that far off the pace. Only a couple of points behind Aberdeen. And sixth, you oh, know, so it's four, four it's, teams. Four teams are only two points above yeah, them. So it, it, a good, a good weekend, and they're 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 top six. Are, they're they're back in the top six area again, which is where you, you where I frankly have always expected them to be. However, I have to say that this could be a different season, um, Eric Rangers and Celtic. We know, you know, I mean, despite my my plea, my hope in the column the other week, it could this be the first season in thirty six seasons or years that, that you know we might see somebody break the job or like that, that, that that's that's wish wished wishful thinking i mean that's, that's not going to happen we know that with the resources these two have got what we do want at least is a, is a tighter title race but you know with hearts united playing the way they are hibs hibs flatter to deceive but they still got a good side aberdeen i think will make progress under stephen glass i think you saw that at the weekend we've seen signs of that recently Motherwell was a decent side. Goodwin's put together. Jim Goodwin's put together a decent St. Martin side. This is going to be, I think, perhaps the toughest season in a lot of seasons uh, in the top flight. You know, what you don't want to do is, is I'm sure we'll be touching on Dundee, is be where they are, kind of struggling in that basement area. Uh, so, I think Saints need to kind of start finding a richer vein of form and more consistency soon, you know, in terms of results and in terms also of, of playing personnel, kind of settling it all down uh, a wee bit. But at the moment, they're, you know, they are not far away. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, it, it's certainly nothing like panic stations, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got a feeling, that maybe, I maybe said it 15 minutes ago or 10 minutes ago there, I've... I've had a feeling for two or three weeks now that this is a stage of the you know the seasons go in stages. This is a stage of the season where St Johnson have got to just negotiate it while picking up results, and then you know I think David Wotherspoon, the tour in front of Canada, the injuries we've not seen him make an impact yet. That has to happen. Rooney's out. He'll eventually get a settled back line. You know now that Liam hopefully now that Liam Gordon's back. And the midfield, Cammy McPherson, when he's fully hundred percent fit, I think he'll he'll be he'll get his impact will get bigger and bigger and bigger. So the key is if you're a team and a manager that can pick up results like beating Dungeon United away and drawing heart with hearts at home while you're still finding your way through this sort of the fog, if you like, no, it's not as bad as that, you know. But and then all of a sudden you think, Okay, we, we pick up form and then the year your but your your sixth, seventh, fifth when you do it, and then you think, okay, you know, rather than rather than picking up form when you're eleventh or twelfth, they were in worse they were in a worse position last year, albeit they had a they probably had a stronger they did have a stronger team last year. But these it's the games against it's this Saturday's game is a it's a temperature changer either way, isn't it? Because the Sean the Livingston one you know, it sucks the energy out, doesn't it? Because it's you, you, you beat you beat these teams since 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 in twenty twenty one, certainly the end of last season, the second half of last season, they were very good at home against the teams in and around them, either below them or just above them. From you know, they didn't they only lost to the old firm really, you know, and and if you know that's they beat Saint Martin, all of a sudden it will be a confidence in Johnson going into their semi final. I mean. So that that's kind of the situation. How do you listen? I'll let you get first dibs on Big Xander. Then you were, you were ready from not to be called up, weren't you? I didn't think as, so. Yeah. As yeah. Was, as was I, knowing knowing how stubborn Steve Clark is and how stubborn he's shown himself to be with, with Ryan Gold and Johnny Russell, I thought I did fear that Xander. You didn't would be want him and Gold, did you? No, I didn't. Not yet. <laughs> it's it's yeah. He's it's he's basically listen. I don't like the inference that he's third choice, but there we go. We'll take it just now, won't we, Sean? Yeah, well, it, it was yes, we will take it. Um, I, I think I saw after the game uh, at Tannerice on Saturday, I tweeted that if he wasn't in, there we'd need a public inquiry as to why <laughs> after that performance at the weekend. So we can cancel career campaign. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we can cancel it. He's rightly in there. Zander for PM. But I mean, I, I, the, the, the decision not to have him in last time, I thought looked daft. Um, and yeah, he's in now, as you say, with the inference that that. <laughs> that he's third, but I think there's almost a veil in, veiled inference that he might be fourth in there as well, because he's Steve Clark said, yeah, he's earned his call up, he deserves it, but it, you know he said he was one of two guys who are challenging John McLaughlin uh, and Craig Gordon. I don't think he would have done it, Sean, if had it not been such a contrast. Xander Clark 
getting all yeah, the headlines. Yeah, I think he would have kept Kelly in there. And Liam Kelly shipping six. I don't think. I yeah. think he would have. I think, I think that he, was the decider. I think he changed his mind on Sunday, basically. Yeah, and and I think that that's that. I think you're right. So I think there's a, there's an inference that he's actually fourth in Steve Clark's mind in there. Um, obviously, he's third this time around, but there, but there are reasons around that. And and yeah, it might. I, I will never understand it. I'll never get it. Um, it just leads me down the <laughs> down dark <laughs> conspiratorial <laughs> roads. There's an agenda against St Johnston. That's just <laughs> agenda. You'll be on YouTube uh, shortly. Uh, you, well, Jim, you, you, you talked to us about Mr. Gold and Mr. Russell. I mean, we n- none of us are MLS experts, but I don't like that either. Come on. These two are playing the form of their careers. Johnny's now, is it 12 and 12 games or something he scored? Oh, and, 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 you know, and, and we go all these popping up with goals and assists and, and generally running the show. I mean, but, you know, if you speak to people and they know they are, he's just running the show. They love him. They love what he's doing. They love his kind of, you know, <clears throat> his ability on the ball, his ability to see passes, you know, they just his general craft, which he has in abundance. So, um, you know, I suppose the Russell thing is, you know, would, he, would you bring him in for Dykes? Dykes has scored, he scored, I think, he's, is it four in recent weeks, you know, um, uh, in English football. But I, I'm a Johnny Russell fan. And, you know, and, and age-wise, you sometimes forget as well, you know, age-wise. I mean, I think there's a tendency, particularly when guys go abroad, they, not that many Scots do, but say, mind you, you kind of forget about them. Johnny Russell's only 31. You know, it's just he's only thirty-one. I mean, it's not. Should never have grown a beard either, Jim. Should never have grown that. That on him. Could you imagine how much better Xander would be if he didn't have that big beard? Be even more aerodynamic flying through the air. Maybe eight saves last week. You know. But no, I mean, there is a strong case to be made for both gold and Russell. There, I mean, what I like about both Russell and. And gold is. I think both are, are, are eloquent craftsmen with the ball. Russell is more than just a striker. You know, he's intelligent. He can play in the wide. He can bring it in. He can link it up. He strikes the ball beautifully. He's got an eye for goal, as we can see quite clearly. But he's a lovely, gifted player as well. He's got a lovely touch, a lovely smoothness about him. And gold's qualities are there for all to see. You know, he, he's lovely on the ball. He's kind of elegant, erudite, articulate with the ball. All, all of these things. He's just he's a wonderful football player. Um, and, and I, you know, to be honest with you, Eric, I just don't. Think that, that we have that much quality that we can afford to be shorn of potential like that. So I think you know, fair play to Steve Clark. Whether it was the fact that Kelly shipped six and, and Xander had, uh, you know, the game of his life that he, cha- he, he changed his mind. He, he's changed his mind. He's brought him in, so that's good. I think he maybe needs to be a wee bit more um, circumspect also in, in terms of his tightness of decision making. I think it, there's definitely a case to be made um, for both the boys playing um, uh, abroad in the states and in Canada. You remember, you always remember what your first impressions of players, but and gold, gold still had so much more to give when he left United, and he, he, it was it was the it was the sort of it was the thought of what he could turn into that was almost as sort of you know compelling as what he was actually doing, wasn't it? It was he was he was the highlights reel type player. Johnny Russell for me, I remember the things that, the thing that stuck stuck out for me when I first saw Johnny Russell was. The way he he travelled, the way he ran with the he was one of the, you don't see many footballers, and when you do see them, and they actually look better and more fluid when they're actually, when they've got a ball at their feet than when they were actually running. And, and I remember thinking that about Johnny Russell, he was just like you know the ball would be stuck to his feet, and he just it was the balance. And yeah, I've, I've always and he's a great guy as well. I've always been a big Johnny Russell fan, but I just think yeah, I think I think Steve Clark's closed his mind to the pair of them, and I think that's and. It's 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 sad, but I don't see it changing. Unfortunately, in the well, possibly if there was if if there were friendlies, but the the, the schedule's so busy that there never seems to be just genuine friendlies, do they? They just see the Nations League or whatnot. I I just think that yeah, I think he's closed his mind to them. But anyway, Sean Dundee, we're just going to give up on predicting them for the season. It's it's going to be it's going to be a it's well, actually we did kind of touch on it, didn't we? Last we kind of thought. This could just, it's just going to be ridiculous highs and lows for Dundee this season. And I just think this, they need to strap themselves in, Dundee fans, for they're not. You know, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be like this all the way, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think George Cran called it the roller coaster, riding the Dundee roller coaster. He wrote a piece to that effect the other day, and it very much is like that. But the lows are low, <laughs> <laughs> the highs are high. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's. Would you say would we, a win at St Mirren is that one that we, we saw coming off the back uh, of a five 0 mauling at home with Ross County? Probably should not. We probably, we probably should have done in hindsight. Yeah, but exactly. Like, like yeah. man, you go into Tottenham, the, the criticism was so bad that you think, oh, they're bound to react. But nah, that's a bit hindsight, isn't it? They could have just as easily been rubbish again, couldn't they? Well, they could have been, yeah. But I, I think what it does say, if, if nothing else, is that, that, that there was pride yes. that had been dented amongst that, that, that group of players by that result. Um, they've obviously had words amongst themselves through the week prior, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, because to go to go to St Mirren and, and, and tough out a win there off the back of being absolutely moolard is <laughs> is impressive. But it just leads you in thinking, right, well, what now? Where do we go for here? Because it, can they get another win? And then what? what is this season so far for Dundee? It's just impossible to sort of try and put your finger on what's going on there. <laughs> It's really, really that's difficult. Your, that's your job, Sean. Go on. Your... Well, I'm not good enough to do it. <laughs> I'm not good enough mm-hmm. to do my job in this case. They're, they are wildly unpredictable. It would appear. Oh, you wouldn't put a money on. You wouldn't. You'd. I'd, it's a long time since I've put a coupon on, but you wouldn't touch Dundee, would you? you Absolutely not. T- you just wouldn't go there. Coupon busters all the way. No, uh, no, no chance. Well, Dundee, uh, Jim, Jim's the way to predict Dundee's result. Yeah. No, 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 I mean, what, what, what you're looking, what you're looking, what any manager wants from a team is consistency. You, you want consistency in football from referees. You want it from your players. You want consistency of application, consistency of accuracy of passing, consistency of scoring goals, making tackles, defending, not conceding. All consistency generally. You know, now, you know, James and his coaching staff haven't had that from the players. I mean, you know, and in recent weeks we've talked about this you know sometimes you have to ask yourself as a columnist as a journalist have I got this you know am I kind of looking at this wrong do these players have the ability um, and the application and the mindset that I thought they might have I mean um, I was kind of I was glad to see him dropping Griffiths and Cummings because sometimes you just have to take the big decisions and say look you guys are on the face of it, top players. You're not performing. You're not giving me what you're not giving me what I need. You're not giving the supporters what they need, and you're not giving yourselves uh, what, what you need as top players. You know, I mean, so you know, Griffiths and Cummings have to redouble their efforts in terms of kind of working harder, um, applying themselves, starting to score goals. And assisting, that's what they're there for. I mean, Griffiths in particular is there to hit the back of the net. Cummings, less of an out-and-out striker, but they're there to kind of assist and, and, and score occasionally um, too. So you're looking for all of that. Now, the team that he picked, I thought young Max Anderson, who I, I think is a smashing young player, um, I thought his goal was a, was a beautifully taken goal. It's so sweetly struck. Um, oh, you yeah. know, a, a where, where would Dundee be without? Where would they be without him? Well, you know, that's that's what you look at me. We were talking about this other day. You know, when was the last time Dundee brought through a player that they sold on at a decent fee? You know, that, you, know you want to see young Anderson disappearing, um, you know, out of Dent's part before he's hardly kind of signed his contract. But I mean, you know, when was the last time they brought through players and signed them at a good fee? Because these are the kind of things that help clubs. You know, they attract new players, they, they bring in a fee and they start to give the club the feel that, 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 that something special uh, is going on. So I was glad to see James making that that, that big decision because you know, th- th- you know, at the end of the day it's his job that's on the line at Dens, you know, and, and if, if players particularly top players are not giving him enough he's entitled to say, well look, enough's enough you know, until until such times as you start to show me more uh, you know, uh, in, in the big games not on the training ground, uh, in the big games that you're going to do what I brought you here to do, then you're going to the bench, you know. Um, and the, the problem, I think, you know, is twofold. And I hope that this is kind of, this is the shake-up that Lee Griffiths and Jason Cummings need, because they're both, they both are fine players. Um, you know, you hope that they kind of redouble their efforts and think, well, actually, where do I go from here? If it doesn't work out at Dens, where do I go from here? Because they're getting the chance to play for, a, you know, still a, still a big Scottish club, you know. I, mean, I know that the demographics are against Dundee and all the rest of it, but they're still a well-supported club, still have a bit of potential about them. So I was kind of glad to see them making um, making that decision. It was a big decision. Um, it was the right decision. And it was a good result. Jim Goodwin's got a good St. Burns side playing. The, the stats were against them in terms of possession and all the rest of it, but it doesn't matter. You know, Anderson gave, gave them the, you know, the, the lead after 11 minutes and they clung on tenaciously to it. And that that'll be a big, that will be a big big psychological boost for them. What they now must do is find that level of consistency that that, that you know that, that takes them forward, and and lets them start to put some points on the board. The, the, the problem is, of course, 
that, you know, what do they walk right into? They walk into a Celtic side brimming with talent, you know, um, on, on Sunday with the 12 o'clock kickoff. And it's difficult to see them getting much out of that. It really is. Uh, the, the problem that Dundee have got as well, Sean, is that they've got this game against Celtic and then they've got, what, three weeks off, is it? So mm, It's bizarre, you know, isn't it? It's, yeah. not a, it's, a, it's a combination of circumstances that you you know wouldn't be of James McPeg's choosings, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah they've got two games um, this month. Uh, so Celtic and then they've got 20 days off <laughs> and then they're not in action until they play Motherwell and then after that I think their December's hectic incredibly hectic because they've got they've got games on the 1st the 4th 11th 14th 18th 26th 29th so <laughs> and then one on the 2nd of January as well so 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 games not be saying much not be saying much of George in our office will we eight games between the first that's incredible eight games between the first of December and the second of January how how mad is that I'm, I'm asking how serious you need the squad to deal with that don't you you know you well, need the, John Byrne but John Byrne probably won't be back for any of them so yeah it's it's there's, it brings its own issues but you know it's uh, you don't John you're not you're not writing this this season doesn't feel like a season where you're writing off games against the old firm, certainly on your on your own turf. Not so far, no. Um, I, I mean, I, I, you look at Celtic, they've, they've, I mean, Livingston getting a point off them, and all right, Celtic missed a penalty at the end, but I mean, this, Livingston have beat them this season as well, I think, earlier on. So, they always, they always um, beat them. <laughs> well, that's a fair point, yeah. Uh, Rangers, uh, yeah, not not invincible this season, as Dundee United have proven already. Um, St. Johnston lost to them at McDermott, but played really well uh, it was a wonder goal from Tavernier that, that won it for Rangers um, so yeah ne- neither of them are, are, are invincible so hey that's not out with the realms of possibility that the, that this unpredictable Dundee team can uh, can really turn it on uh, on Sunday and, and, and shock us uh, and I hope they do absolutely hope they do but I mean you would, you would look at it on paper and, and, and obviously you would say Celtic will be strong, strong favourites for it. But hey, who knows with Dundee at the moment? Who knows? Yeah, absolutely impossible to re- rename the podcast. That to be fair, right, Jim? You can take your pick. Just to finish up, five managerial changes. You can which you want to speak about. I'll give you one. Sean can have the other. Do you want to speak about Dunfermline? Peter Grant eventually getting the getting the bullet. And the the options they now have, or do you want Morris Ross back in back in football at Cowden? Well, listen, happy to take both of them, but I mean, in, 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 term, in terms of the first one, um, you know, the combination of things here. One, I'm really saddened to see Ross MacArthur go in the chairman um, because you know he, he, he was a massive part of saving the Pars, you know, and Pars United when they were you know looking at liquidation back in 2013. Um, and I'm, I'm saddened to see the kind of abuse that he's taken, physical threats, and all the that's not acceptable in the modern world. That's, that's outrageous. Um, you know, it's probably one for another day and a deeper discussion about the nature of football. However, in terms of who they replaced Peter Grant with, and they were heading in that direction for a long time with Peter, it just didn't work out um, for many reasons. Um, I, I think took, they now have took a very, too long. Took too yeah, long. They, they took too long. Um, Stuart Petrie knows the club inside it. Has done a great job at Montrose. Uh, has a good job outside of football, but you know, I'm led to believe um, that he would probably, you know, he, he would he would take a. Um, and, I, yeah. and, and, he, and he has, you know, he's he's served the apprenticeship, as as they say, at lower level or the rest of it. Peter Grant uh, had done that to Aloha, but I mean, I think bluntly, the, the record that Peter, what he's done at Montrose, I, I think speaks for itself. So are you taking the chance? You're taking the chance with anything in football. I think he's a candidate. John Robertson's bound to be a candidate. I like John. I was going to um, say, you yeah. tipped him for Dundee a couple of years ago. Yes, I, I, and, I, I, and I, I, you know, and, and I think he came close at one stage, you know, but yeah. John, I think, is, 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 is you know, is, is potentially a good manager as well. I don't know whether, the, you know, it's gone for the likes of the John Hughes of this world, the Yogis, and I don't know whether they're regarded, you know, they're, they're, there's a tendency sometimes to regard guys like John as, as dinosaurs. And I, I actually think that's well wide of the mark, I've got to say. In fact, it's very wide of the mark. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Dunfermline have got a big choice to make now. If the, Ross MacArthur's going to stick, stick about, so presumably he'll be giving some advice or some assistance to the German owners um, uh, over what they do here. It, it depends 
know what they want. I mean, Dundee United had a pretty clear picture, even when Robbie Nielsen was here. Dundee United had a clear picture. Tony Asgard, the sporting director, had a clear picture of where he wanted to shape the club, the type of individual he wanted to be part of all of that. Do the Germans have that? I don't know. Or do they want a tra- just a traditional Scottish-type manager who runs the whole show? That, that I think, will determine the kind of individual to go for that, of course, and the interviews. Because, you know, the, the, the face-to-face interview is still, to me, uh, the most important thing, that's where you learn a lot about people from just just think simple things like body language uh, and all the rest of it, um, you know, and, and, and their ideas um, of, 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 you know, what they want to do, how they can put them into practice and, and how that ties in with the, the philosophy of those who run the club and, and own the club. So, I mean, I, th- I think Stuart Petrie sounds like a good shout. So does John Robertson, but undoubtedly others will emerge from that pack as well, which which might throw all of that um, up in the air. Morris Ross, I'm glad to see back um, uh, uh, in the game. He was, he, you know, the, there's a there's a, the discussion for another day on what happened at, at, at Notts County. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I'll, I'll have a say on this in, in weeks to come. I'm slightly concerned uh, these days, um, Eric, that we, we are living in, in times, I say this putting my old law lecturer's hat on, I'm a great believer in due process. I don't like people being, you know, singled out, threatened, um, losing jobs on the basis of allegations. Um, not everyone who, not everyone who is an alligator, <laughs> not everyone who makes an allegation um, is making is making an allegation which stands the test of time. We see it all the time. There are people out there who are vexatious, bad, nasty, um, and, and 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 you know just downright evil. You know, sometimes. Um, so I like due process to be gone through. Um, there's a discussion to be had on that, as I say, for another day. But I'm glad to see at the moment he's back in the game. He's got a good guy in with him, Scott Patterson, um, as his assistant. Scott knows the game inside out. He was Archie's man at, um, you know, sidekick for five years, I think, at Park Thistle. So good to see them back. Uh, Dunfermline, I don't know. Petrie, I think, would be a good shout. Robertson would be a good shout. Uh, and the chance for, this is a chance for Morris to kind of, uh, reignite his, his manager, managerial career. Yeah, you, Sean, Dunfermline, I I just don't see them. I could be wrong, but it would go against the grain if they went and got a traditional old old school, you know, a traditional Scottish manager, wouldn't it? When they've, You wouldn't think that is the direction of travel for that club, but then the conflict is these are circumstances where it possibly demands it. You know, it just depends whether, it, it depends how seriously the Dunfermline owners are taking a relegation battle, doesn't it? Or whether they, they're they blind to the risk, I think. Or, or, yeah, is it, or, or whether they're whether they're more committed to the project than anything else. And, yeah. and if that is the case, then, I mean, if, if they they have a sporting director in Thomas Megel from Germany who who comes from a, a tradition where football clubs are, are, are run in a very particular way, uh-huh. and if he wants to put that structure in place at a Scottish club, that being Dunfermline, then I can't imagine that they would go for an old school Scottish manager to head it up. Um, and that actually, yeah, I mean, Stuart Petrie and, and John Robertson are, are, are obvious candidates. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Stuart Petrie is an old school Scottish manager. No, That's no, probably, but, probably but, unfair. Old school was the wrong yeah. phrase. Traditional. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I wasn't implying that you were saying that. I was just that's my thinking through the process as we go here. But I, I, I would. The thing that makes me think that if they're, they're going to go for a left field candidate, we've discussed them in, in, in our pages, but Mark Fotheringham's an interesting one to me because he's worked in Germany uh, at a couple of clubs. He played in Germany during his playing career as well, but has has coached um, at Karlsruhe and at Ingolstadt. Uh, Ingolstadt got promoted last season um, with, with Mark Fotheringham there coaching there. Um, so he speaks the language. He's worked under that structure. He knows Scottish football, so that just makes me think. Well, that's, oh, it's yeah. not d- one d- that you would completely rule out. Because yeah, let's face it, Megal will sound. F- it'll either help him or hinder him, depending on what his reputation mm-hmm. is, won't it? Because Megal will, f- will sound people out in his in his in his own country. Well, yeah, well, I, I actually, and I, I think that the Mark actually has a good reputation in, in, in go, Germany then. amongst people that he's worked with. Yeah, he so does. I think he if he if he does it, if he approaches people in Germany for, for to sound them out about Mark Fotheringham, I think he will hear good things. So. I wouldn't completely rule Mark out. Um, I think he's. I think he's one that, that, that could be a left field candidate there. Um, and, and and as far as Moros goes, I mean, I'm like Jim. I'm, I'm I'm pleased to see him getting a chance because if you look at his career, he, he's not taking the easy route. Um, no, he's, he's, he's years and years ago. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from he, from the end of his playing days, he went to China. But I mean, after that, he was he, he went away in Norway. 
I mean, he got himself Feroz. a degree. He, he worked full time, uh, and he ended up coaching part time there, managing part time there. Was successful, got a couple of promotions, ended up getting a management job in the Pharaohs, which he took. So he's he's taking the circuitous is that the word? Circuitous route. Circuitous route. I said that a lot better than you did. He did. So he's he's taking the long he's taking the long way round. I think think normally he's taking a roundabout way, you know. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Uh, he's gone round the Scott Five Circle a few times, uh, and here he is. And and I'm I'm pleased to see he's he's, he's had the chance. Um, but uh, I I think he's uh, he was well thought of by Stephen Robertson Robinson at Motherwell. Um, and I think he's I think he's a very good coach. He's obviously going into a club that's in a, a difficult position at, at bottom of League Two, and we know the consequences of finishing bottom of League Two. Uh, now uh, we've seen that with, with a few clubs breaking City last season it's it's not a place any club wants to be uh, so there's there's a job he's got a job in his hands uh, but as as Jim says he's got a good guy next to him and Scott Patterson who's been around the houses quite a lot he was assistant for a very long time at Park Thistle under Alan Archibald so he's been there done it he's got a bit of experience next to him and and, and you know all the best I, I'm, I, I hope he does a job there Wonder if he still looks Scott Parson. Wonder if he still looks like he should be in. He's got the mod haircut. Nineties and in, in, indie band, yeah. But yeah, shot my school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he's aging. I'm sure he's aging like the rest of us. All right. Anyway, listen, guys. That was great stuff. Thank you very much this week, and thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye bye. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.